Let's let's go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16, and we know everything that Jesus told us was the truth. There was no lie. And that's what he said. He said, if there's any lie that I have said, tell me. But he didn't. And the very first and biggest lie of the Roman Catholic Church is found there because of a wrong translation, a knowingly wrong translation, not just a misinterpretation. Now, there are some scriptures that are hard to interpret, and sometimes we just have to say, well, we don't know. See, Because if we don't know and we try and answer it and we give a wrong answer, then that puts us in trouble. Okay. But here's, here's what Jesus said. Okay. And this is what the Catholic Church bases everything that they do so that the Pope's pronouncements can be greater than the commandments and sayings and word of God. So let's pick it up here. Let's go to verse 15. Then he said to them, but you, who do you declare me to be? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now notice how he got that. Wasn't because he was smart, because later on we know that Christ had to correct him for some very grievous mistakes. Okay. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, that's the son of Jonah, For flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, God does things in our lives. Many times we don't know that he's doing it until we come to a point and look back on it and say, Ooh, thank you, God. I know that in my life, there were two times that God saved me from sure death. Okay? And I remember that. And so I tell myself, Fred, don't do anything stupid. (laughs) Because we're all inclined to do that. Okay? Especially in your old age. Okay. Now, he says here, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever you may bind on the earth. May. So that's in the subjunctive meaning that there are conditions tied to it. Okay. Will have already been bound in heaven. In other words, the word of God will have already made the decision for you. You find out what that decision is in the Word of God, and if you can't find it, you pray to God so that you understand what the decision was already made in heaven. Remember, you go back to Daniel, the ninth chapter, where you have the 70 weeks prophecy, and then in chapter 10, the last verse is, in the truth of Scripture, in heaven. Okay? So the truth of Scripture 
is in heaven and transmitted to us by God in languages, whatever the language may be, that whoever has whatever language can understand it, okay, will have already been bound. So that doesn't mean if you bind it because you want to do it, even though it's contrary to Scripture, it is bound. See, that's what they do with Sunday. That's what they do with idols. That's what they do with everything in the Roman Catholic Church. Okay. Well, I've already been bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on the earth shall already uh, will have already been loosed in heaven. Okay. Now then, then he said, he charged them, but he said, the gates of hell shall never prevail against her to the gates of the grave, verse, verse 18. Now I have in my hand a whole bunch of Church of God Seventh-day publications from Greg White, who runs the uh, Friends of the Sabbath website. Okay? Now then, he has many things on there. But what I want to do is let you know that a lot of these things that came into the Church of God came from the Church of God's Seventh Day. And all of the doctrines that Herbert Armstrong had came from the Church of God's Seventh Day. But he didn't want to admit that it came from them. Okay? And that later sowed the seeds of trouble down the road. All right? So let me read some of these titles. It makes no difference, or a popular error refuted. Okay? That is, whatever the commandment says, they say it makes no difference. You don't have to do it. Okay? The kingdom of heaven. Upon the earth, it's literally, it literally and location is to be set up at the Savior's second coming. 1880s. Okay? Change of the Sabbath. Who authorized it? An excellent treaty showing that it was not changed by divine authority, but by the Pope of Rome, by A.C. Long, 16 pages, price, four cents. <laughs> okay. Resurrection of Christ. When did it occur? By C. By W.C. Long, 16 pages, price, three cents. This is a work showing that Christ was resurrected. Guess what? When was Christ resurrected? After three days in the grave on the Sabbath? At the end of the Sabbath. How many Sabbaths were there in that week? No. Two. First day of unleavened bread. Okay. Now that's noted in the Greek in Matthew 28. Okay. The gift of the Holy Spirit, to whom is it is the promise made? Uh, by S.S. Davidson, 12 pages, 2 cents. Second coming of, coming of Christ by Jacob 
Blinkerhoff, price five cents. Lazarus and the Rich Man, by W.C. Long, 16 pages, three cents, showing the falsity of the popular view of the parable and also its true application. Now, we can understand that by what? How do we understand Lazarus and the Rich Man? Because every, everybody turns there to show hell for the rich man and heaven for Lazarus. But if you have the holy days and understand them, and you put those on the framework of the holy days, you know the time frame and when it occurs. Because in, Ma- in Luke 16, it doesn't tell you the time frame. Huh. You get that from something else, all right? Here's another one, and I like this one. The Plan of Redemption by J.R. Goodenough. (laughs) Plan of Salvation is good enough. (laughs) 32 pages, 5 cents. Modern Prophets and Prophecies by Harlan P. Peck, 48 pages, 8 cents. The Approaching Crisis and End of the World by J.H. Nichols, 48 pages, 8 cents. This is... An able treatise on the signs of the time and clearly shows that we are living near the end of time. All the things going on. See, everywhere in every generation, there are certain events that come along that make it look like we're close to the end. But you have to have all the circumstances put together before you get there. Now, there's another page of this, but uh, I promise to give this, uh, here, I'll read another one. From Darkness to Light, Meet in Due Season, Reasons for Embracing and Observing Jehovah's Sabbath, The Soul, Baptism and Its Importance, The Two-Horned Beast, okay, Uh, that is of Revelation 13, The end of the ungodly, the fate of the wicked, showing their entire destruction, that is, lake of fire. Claims of Ellen G. White, and they show where those things, many of those things are not true. Sunday is Sabbath by Albert D. Rusk. This is a work showing the the, that heathens worshipped on Sunday, and that Sunday Sabbath is directly opposed to God's Sabbath. Okay, so I'll leave this. I, I promised Kip he could take it, because he's doing some study uh, about the history of the church and so forth. So this is study, see? Now, everything that Herbert Armstrong got, and everything that we got, came from the Bible. We had a lot of instruction from our, the teachers, and Herbert Armstrong had instruction from the teachers back then. They had certain things that they didn't follow, and he brought that out to Duggar and Dodd about Israel being modern America and Britain and Europe. They weren't ready to accept it at that time. However, when Duggar moved to Jerusalem for his church, He had quite a few congregations on the East Coast, and they kept all the holy days of God. Okay? 
Very interesting. Not very many people know that, see? Okay, so what shows us what? God is always working. Now, lies brought down worldwide. Not just one, not just two, not just three, but grievous lies. And just like it shows in the Bible, when those amount up and there is no real repentance, then, as we will see, God sends those in who will destroy. Now, I'll mention some of that as we begin the next half of services here, because we're seeing a lot of things take place today, and no one knows what's going on. What's going on? Everybody says repent, but they don't tell you repent of leaving God, repent of forsaking him, repent of cursing him, repent of rejecting the Bible, repent of Sunday keeping and all the holidays. No, they don't tell you that. See, they just want you to repent to their organization. Okay, that's not to God. So we're living in a lot of times. So what is God doing? And why are all these difficulties coming upon us? And I'll end it with this. Did you see the policemen that were beaten up by the mob of immigrants this last week? You saw it on television if you watch the television news, right? Okay. What do you think you're going to do during the election? Huh? Did you see what they did with a whole, whole crowd of immigrants? Who do you like for president? That whole mob. Biden, 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 Biden. How did Biden get in there? Such an incompetent and stupid man and a liar. How did he get in there? Okay. I'll tell you. We'll end right here and take a break. God put him there because of the sins of the people, beginning with the religious leaders who call themselves Christian, the government officials at every level, and the educational system at every level. That's why he is there. Amen. So if you like all these lies, stick with it. If you don't like them, you better come back to the truth of God or the lies are going to devour you and everyone else. That's just the way it works out. So let's go ahead and we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll get into the second part of services. Okay, here we go. Continuing on with Sabbath services now. Let's continue with the message and let's see why. God stirs up different people to correct us. Now, that's not exactly the title that I had for it, but that's exactly what God does. Now, this will help you understand also what happens with anyone, doesn't matter who it is, church of God, government, family, community, 
whenever they get wrapped up in lies and sin and don't repent, God raises up people to bring his punishment. And that's why they don't understand what's happening today. Because they see all of these difficulties happening. We've got to take care of the border. We've got to get rid of abortion. We've got to take care of the homeless. We, we, we've got to fight this war. We have to go here. We have to go there. We don't know why anything isn't working out the way it should do. Okay? Why? Okay? We will see. Let's start out with Solomon. Solomon had a tender heart. He was also the son of Bathsheba. Okay? But also, when you read the chronology of the chronology coming down to the birth of Jesus, it brings in, in Matthew, Solomon. But when you come to the genealogy of Mary, which is what it is, Mary's father, Luke, the third chapter, you come down to David, and the genealogy goes through his son, Nathan, not Solomon. Why? Okay. Solomon started out, he was young, he was tender, he was good. Let's come here to uh, uh, 1 Chronicles 28, 27 and 28, okay? And let's see what, what the charge was that was given to Solomon. Now, David was told that he could not build a temple, although God gave him all of the plans for the temple, and he actually wrote them all down, you know, kind of like what Jonathan does, drafting, architectural draftman, and you get all, all, all the different layers of how to build a house, and you have the foundation, you have the framing, you have the roof, you have the windows, you have the plumbing, you have all of these different things that go with it, okay? So, David couldn't build the temple. Why? Because he was a bloody man, a man of war. All right? And also because of his sin with Bathsheba. Now, so here's Solomon. He's young. God also showed his grace and mercy in selecting Solomon. Because Solomon, when he was young, was seeing his father stay close to God because he was overcoming all the difficulties that he went through because of being caught with Bathsheba. Okay? Remember there was revolt? Almost overthrew the kingship? Absalom was the one who was going to take over? And he loved Absalom? And Absalom was fleeing away, and he had this long, bright red hair, and it got caught up in a tree, and there he was hanging. 
and I forget who it was that did him in, but killed him. Okay. However, David wept and cried and could hardly get over it. See. Okay. Now, so David had a lot of difficult years leading up to the time when Solomon was ready to take over. So let's come here to First Chronicles 28, and let's see what happened. They had a great assembly. All the important people, all the leaders, all the priests, all the princes, they were all there, beginning in verse 2. David the king stood up on his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people, for I had it in my heart to build a house uh, of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Now, the covenant of the Lord was at that time in the house of David in a separate little tabernacle, and Asaph the one was the high priest who was running it there. Okay, And whenever David made a psalm, he would give it to Asaph, and then Asaph would record that psalm and put it in the stack of things that would later become part of the Bible. That's how we get many of the psalms. To build a house uh, of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God, and had made preparations for the building. Okay. But God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. However, the Lord God of Israel chose me before the house of my fathers to be king over Israel forever. Now that's something else, see. Now we know there has to be a resurrection to take place in order for that to be carried out. Okay. For he has chosen Judah to be his ruler, and the house of Judah, the house of my father, and among the sons of my my father's house, he is he was pleased to make me king over all Israel. And of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen Solomon my son to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. Okay. So God made the choice. Now, this also shows quite a few things, especially that Solomon had the best start of any king. I mean, of everything. Okay. Verse 6, And he said to me, Solomon your son shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son and will be his father. Now think about that. I want you to understand how important that individual choices that we make. Very important. We can read about the repentance of David and why God accepted him because his repentance was so thorough and so complete. Verse 7, For I will establish his kingdom forever if, okay, always conditions. And those conditions we are faced every day. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? And lots of times we're confronted with things. What do we say? What do we do? 
lot of time we're confronted with problems that we don't know how to handle. Okay? But we put him in God's hands and ask him to work it out for us. Okay? If he continues resolute, okay, that means fixed mind, absolutely going to do it. If he continues resolute in keeping my commandments and my ordinances as he is today. So that's what he was trying to do. And now in the sight of all Israel and the congregation of the Lord and the hearing of God, keep and seek all the commandments of the Lord your God. Now that's quite profound, isn't it? All the commandments. But what happens? People like to pick and choose, right? That's what Solomon disobeyed. What was two commands that God gave to the king back in Deuteronomy 17? He was to write a copy of the law from the book that Aaron the the priest had, and have it with him to read it day and night, for what? So that he does not lift himself up above his brethren. In other words, though he was king, the hierarchy was not established for rule and command control to live people's lives, to help but to serve, to show them to come to God. Because if anyone comes to God, he's going to take them. But you have to come to God his way. Okay? Now, now he says, And now in the sight of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, keep and seek all the commandments of the Lord your God, so that you may possess this good land and leave it for an inheritance for your children forever. Now think about that relationship to the land that God gave America. Okay. One of the most beautiful locations on earth. And those who first came in the 1520s to Virginia and landed on the coast, they knew they got there by God's help and God's power, and they were trying to get away from the religious persecution that was in England, and that's why a lot of them fled to Holland and then came over like later with the the Mayflower and left Holland because they had to escape all the persecution in England. And what was one of the persecution against them? Same one we have today. What's the big one we have today? Sabbath Sunday. Right? Yes. So anyway, when they landed on the coast, the first thing they did, they took and and made a cross, stuck it in the ground, and prayed the prayer that the gospel of God would go forth from this nation. Okay. From where has the gospel gone? From this nation? 
more than any other nation in the world. And God also raised up down through history honest men who kept the word of God true so we could have the word of God the way he wanted it so it could be preached at any time, especially in the last days. Okay. Now today, the Bible, the whole Bible is translated in about 3,300 different languages. Now what's contained in the Bible? The whole gospel, right? Okay. So that's an amazing thing. Though you have the mountain of sin and evil over here, you've got all the promises of God over here in getting the word of God out. So anyone who wants to know about the word of God today and has one of those dumb smartphones, <laughs> okay, you can get the Bible, and if you don't know the language, you can come to the Holy Bible in its original order. You can click on that and get it and say, give it to me in whatever language you want, and bang, they'll get it for you. Okay. Now, how about having everything right in the palm of your hand so you know what you do? Huh? Right there. Look at us here today. We have Bibles right in front of us. Okay. So there it is. Okay. And you, Solomon, my son, verse 9, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with a perfect heart. Now think about that. What does it say about the heart of man? Jeremiah 17, 9. Deceitful above all things. And what? Desperately wicked. Okay? I just described the internet. Right? Okay. Perfect heart. Which meant what? He was to follow God every day of his life. That's what's important. Every day of our lives. Because he's the one who has given us life, correct? Okay. Perfect heart. And with a what? Willing mind. No reservations, no doubts, willing mind. Now notice why. What does God do? How does God do this? Let's read it. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the imaginations of the thoughts. How does he do that? Well, we read about the creation of every human being. Right? God formed man and woman with his own hands, correct? And he put in the genes and chromosomes and the reproductive process to continue life. So every life in reproduction comes from God. See? It's his work. Okay? A little sidebar. People thought when they got rid of Roe versus Wade, abortions would go down? No, it went out to 50 states, just like we discussed, right? So they did a survey recently. Before 
the overturning of Roe versus Wade, there were 77,000 abortions a month. After Roe versus Wade, it went up 83,000 a month. Now, that tells you one of the reasons why we are suffering so many things. Because there are so many people that have rejected God. There are so many men and women out there who want to have sex of any kind, anywhere, with anyone or anything or any animal. And still be accepted and come into the church and say, you accept me and love me. That's what they have in the Methodist church, that's what they have in the Presbyterian church, right? Yes, they do. Okay, so there it is. Because in every human being with the spirit of man, there is what is called the reins. R-E-I-N-S, reins. Okay, now, That's what you have with a bridle for a horse. You use the reins to make the horse go where you want it to go. Now, if you get a stubborn horse, then you're in trouble. Okay. And if you can't force him, then you're really in trouble. (laughs) Okay. So God can know the thoughts of anyone at any time that he chooses to do so. David speaks of it in Psalm 139, the reins, okay? He speaks of it in Revelation, the second chapter, that I try the reins and the heart, okay? So this is what he's talking about here, and we'll see what happens when it, it, it doesn't work out that way. With a perfect heart, Okay, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the imaginations of the thoughts. Okay, now what did it say before the flood of Noah about the thoughts of man? The thoughts. Not just the actions, there were a lot of actions, but the thoughts. Now we'll talk about the thoughts here again in a little bit. See, That's what you think in your mind and heart that only you know from other people. They don't know, but God knows. No one can fool God. No one can hide from God. David said, if I go into heavens, you're there. If I go into depth, you are there. If it's dark, you are there. If it's light, you are there. Okay? How does God do it? Because he has control of everything. See? Now think about those of us who have the Holy Spirit of God. Now we'll talk about this a little bit more when we get toward the days of unleavened bread, what God is doing with us and preparing us for, for his kingdom. Brethren, it is awesome. It is the greatest thing that there is. You see? There is nothing that anybody can offer that can replace it. There is nothing on the earth that compares to it, and yet it is a spiritual thing, and yet God gives us his Holy Spirit, and we are to choose. Just like David said here, if 
See? So he says here, let's continue on. Here's another if. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. So a lot of people, you know, like the Jews in Jesus' day, Jews always wanted a sign. What sign are you going to show us? I'm not going to show you anything. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the great whale for three days and three nights, so will I will be in the heart of the earth. They couldn't understand that. Okay? Okay, but if you forsake him, he will cast you off. Take heed, that means be on guard, watch, for the Lord your God has chosen you. All right? What are we called? Revelation 17. We're the called, the chosen, and that means selected. Whoever you are, you have God's Spirit, He personally, through Christ, has chosen each one of us. That's an amazing thing. Now then, same way with the people of Israel. They're not held to the same standard as the church. But we will see that they have to, at a minimum, become repentant and law-abiding and getting rid of the killers. Okay? Let's read on. So he says, verse 10, Take heed, for the Lord had chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. All right? Now then, let's come here to First Chronicles 5, and let's come to verse 23. When the children of Israel, also the king, we'll see that a little later, when they did not do well, when they sinned against God, what did God do? Did he come down and personally destroy them? No, the closest you come to that is Sodom and Gomorrah. Is there any other thing like that? No. God uses other people and uses wicked people as punishment so that the children of Israel will repent. Because if he comes down to do it, you're looking at smoke and ashes. Okay? Now, verse 23. And the children of the half-tribe of Manasseh lived in the land, and they increased from Bashan to Baal Hermon, and... Uh, a senior, and to Mount Hermon. And these were the heads of the house of the fathers. Then it lists all of them, verse 24, verse 25. And they acted treacherously against the God of their fathers. Okay? Now, think of it today. 
the politicians, the religious people, especially those who say that they are a Christian, based on the big lie of Sunday. See? And, you know, that's the toughest one to figure out how to really bring conviction against those people. I had one man write me an email saying that because Christ came, that he's our Sabbath, and every day is his Sabbath. I need to write him back and ask him, when does he work? <laughs> okay. How are you going to come up against that? Okay, well, we'll pray for me so we can do it, okay? Acted treacherously against the God of their fathers and went a-whoring after the gods of the people of the land whom God destroyed before them. And notice verse 26. Notice what God does. Now, I want you to think today. Who are our enemies? that are being stirred up. Okay. Russia, China, Iran, to start with. Okay. Isn't that true? Are they being stirred up? Yes, indeed. Now think about this. Remember what it says in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 40, that the stranger within your gate shall get up high above you, very high, and you shall what? Be brought down very low. Are those words true? Are they going to happen? Is God stirring them up? Yes, indeed. Just witness the beat-up of the cops in New York City this week. They went in for bail, and they got out scot-free, and guess what they said? We're coming to California. So what are they going to do here? See? All right. God stirred up the spirit of the of Paul, the king of Assyria, that is Tiglath-Pilneser, king of Syria, and he exiled the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh, and brought them to Havilah and to Habar and to Hara and to the river of Gozan, even to this day. Now, to this day was when Ezra was writing it. Now then, let's come to... Ezekiel 14. And let's see what God says. See. Now, did they learn anything in their captivity? Who was one of the worst kings of Judah? The very worst. And he reigned 55 years. I mean, that's a long time. I mean, we can hardly endure four years of a president, about 55 years of the most wicked king, Manasseh. He did everything satanic, everything under the sun. 
So God sent them off into captivity. The Assyrians came. They were in control of Babylon at that time and took them to Babylon and shut them up in the prison. So what did he do? He repented. Imagine that. He repented. So what did God do? He had him sent back as the vassal king to Judah. And what did he do? He cleaned up the temple area. He got rid of all of the tents of the homosexuals because they put them right there, right around the temple of God. All the homosexuals with their abominable habits and, and sex acts and everything, right at the temple of God. He cleaned it up. Okay? So this tells us, even at this late date, things could change. But it's going to take that kind of repentance that Manasseh had, and it has to start with the political leaders. Everyone's hoping that Trump is going to do a lot of good things. But there's one thing he can't do. He can't change the hearts and minds of people who are living in sin, and the judgment is coming because of that. And if there's any reprieve that may come because of he may be elected, who knows? Wouldn't it be ironic if Biden were reelected? Huh? How about this? How about making Obama vice president? Then Biden passes away and Obama comes in because it's now a whole different proposition. And I've got the clip sent to me right during his election. He said that we're going to transform America. And he has done it because he's still running it. All right. So let's see where the sin is. Let's see what has to happen. Okay. At every level. So I'm also going to give a little sidebar right here. Things are not going to get any better. If they do, it's only for the purpose of an open door to preach the gospel. No other reason. So prepare. You better have extra food. You better have candles. Oh, by the way, this week the power went off. There I was, I was doing something. Yeah, it was uh, the playoff game with the 49ers and the, and the Detroit. Bam! Electricity went off. Everything. And it was dark. So I thought, well, I got a battery in my laptop. Okay, so I, I I found the chandelier that had that Dolores had three candles on it, and I got the matches and I lit those three candles, and here I'm sitting there with my laptop, okay, on the table. I'm sitting in the chair, so I turn it on, and I try to to use it, and it says no internet connection. 
Huh. So everybody better take a lesson from that for all of your digital things. You better have them permanently located, maybe on a separate computer so that you can have it if you want it digitally. Okay. But it, I was sitting there and hear these three little candles going and it's all dark and it's not very light. And I thought, how many brethren in the past going down through the centuries had the word of God and they would get up and read it with a candle or a, a little lamp? Huh? And here we've got all this electricity. We have everything printed out. We have it all digitized. Plus that, we have anything we want digitally. Music, news, uh, essays, whatever. Okay? Now then, let's come to Ezekiel 14. Let's see what the big hindrance is with every human being toward God and especially those from Israel. And these are the ones in Ezekiel 14 that we read about were carried off into captivity because of the sins. See? Now, God didn't send angels to pick them up and take them away. God sent men. Same way with King Nebuchadnezzar. What did God call him? King Nebuchadnezzar, my servant. Who? A pagan king, his servant? Yes, as punishment against Judah for sinning. Okay, here we go. Ezekiel 14. And some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me. So here they are in the exile camp, and here's Ezekiel there. Okay. And I came to him, and the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts. All right. Now, what is an idol in your heart? Anything that's against God. This had to happen within worldwide and why it went down. Okay? Now, little sidebar that I want everyone to understand. Many people in the church of God limit themselves in their relationship with God and understanding the Bible because they stop at the teachings of Herbert W. Armstrong. That is your idol. Herbert W. Armstrong turned out to be a man of great ability, great preaching, did a lot of great things, but also, just like David, sinned greatly. And he admitted the last two years of his life that all the trips overseas 
God never opened a single door. We kicked them in with cash. Okay? And I know from first-person testimony that that is true. So he repented. Did Manasseh repent? Yes. Did Herbert Armstrong repent? Yes. But what about the people who were left? What about the elders who were left? What about the terrors who had come in within the church? How they're going to sprout out and what are they going to do? You know the history of it, right? Okay. So he said, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and have put a stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I be inquired of by them? Therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Every one of the house of Israel, or put in there, Church of God, because we are spiritual Israel, see, who sets up his idol in his heart. Okay? Now remember, God knows all the thoughts, right? Okay? Yes, he does. And puts a stumbling block of their iniquity before his face and comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him according to the multitude of his idols, so that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart, because they have deserted me for their idols, all of them. Isn't that what has happened? What was the killer for, for Christianity out in the world today? COVID-19. Okay. And then that released all the homosexuals, all of the transvestites. How did all of those things suddenly come down upon us? The DEI, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Huh? How did that come down? And the teaching in the schools of all the deviant sex practices beginning right in, in elementary school, in books, published, ready to go. Amazing. How did all that happen? That is right there, this phrase. I will answer him according to the multitude of his idols. Okay. And how many people have these idols in their minds? See? The one for the people in the church of God. You limit yourself if you just say, well, if Herbert didn't teach it, we don't believe it. That you're saying then Herbert Armstrong equals someone better than Christ. And that will catch up with you sooner or later. Now, it may not be Herbert Armstrong. It may be something else. Now, when I die, right there is an elder. And I'm going to tell you and all the other elders out there, after I die... I don't want it to be Fred said. Okay? Because all we can do is provide you with what you need as elders so you teach the people the word of God. And whatever God wants to reveal to you above whatever we have at that point, he will reveal it. Amen. See? It doesn't stop with one human being because he dies. All the apostles died. 
Do we know more than the apostles today? Yes. Are we greater than they? No. Who gives the knowledge? God does. Because he deals in our hearts and in our minds. That's the important thing, see? That's what this is all about. So here's what God says. Okay, let's read verse 5 again. So that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart, because they have deserted me for their idols, all of them. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, repent. See? God always honors repentance. If he forgave Manasseh, the most horribly evil king of Judah, he can forgive any one of our sins. But when he forgives them, we have to have our mind set not to repeat. Okay? Repent and turn yourselves from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abominations for every one of the house of Israel or of the stranger who lives in Israel. Notice, and don't we have a lot of strangers? Any other country in the world have 20 million more people come into the land that are here to take it over. That's 8% of the entire population of America. Okay? Or the stranger who lives in Israel who separates himself from me and sets up his idol in his heart and puts a stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and comes to the prophet to ask of him concerning me, I, the Lord, will answer him myself. Because if there isn't any repentance, and God will grant the repentance, okay, but notice what he says. If they don't do it, verse 8, I will set my face against that man, and I will make him for a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from the midst of my people, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And the prophet, that's the one who's teaching the word of God. If he is deceived and he speaks a word, I, the Lord, have deceived the prophet, and I will stretch out my hand upon him and will destroy him from the midst of my people. See? Now, please understand this. The book of Ezekiel, all the prophecies, these are some of the harshest, most difficult, most trying to read. And people who don't understand why these things come about, they say, well, God is a harsh God of the Old Testament. No, God corrects at all times Old Testament and New Testament if there's sin, right? Does he not? Yes, he does. Quite a thing, see? No. You think that it's harsh back here? Read the book of Revelation. God's going to shake the heavens and shake the earth. Is Christ harsh? 
Is he going to destroy and kill? Is that harsh? Well, that's punishment for all of the multiple sins. And we know the plan of God, he'll take care of it later. See, but this is why we have all of these things coming about. That's why we see this group stirred up over here. That's why we see the Satanists stirred up over here. That's why we see the feminists stirred up over here. That's why we see the Democrats stirred up over here. Okay? Because of our sins. God stirs them up. Now, the only way that that will go away is if the people will repent and start coming to God and keeping his commandments and then pushing these people away. It won't go away any other way. God will stir them up. He always has. And so all of us, all the brethren, all the elders, I don't know how long I'm going to live. I'm not teacher, teetering on the edge of, of a collapsing yet. Okay, so uh, there was a report out, when was it, a couple of months ago, it was during what, the feast, before the Feast of Tabernacles, yeah. Fred Coulter died. <laughs> so we had to put up a claimer. No, Fred Coulter's still alive. <laughs> okay, but I'm 89, approaching 90, and... There's one woman praying, I'll live to be 120, because, uh, well, she may, she may, I may outlive her, <laughs> if that's the case. Okay, okay. But, however long God wants me to live, that's how long I'm going to live. Okay, now, I pray that I won't get caught and entrapped in any of these kind of things that we just read about here. See, because if I do, that's going to affect everybody. And if you do in your life, that's going to affect everybody around you. That's just the way that it works. See? But God is with us. God loves us. God cares for us. He's called us. We're the called, the chosen, the faithful. So we can read these things and we can understand them and we'll take the warnings, but that will give us wisdom and understanding to know what's taking place in the world and to realize that God's hand is in it. 